His word endureth forever, that he is true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to the book of Leviticus chapter 14 and verse number 40. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord here tonight. I'm so thankful for the move of God we had here on Sunday. Uh, thankful Brother Deathridge ministered in the Holy Ghost. And, uh, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about a lot of things and just how it goes when you're a pastor. But I told the church before, and I'll tell it a million times, I don't talk to preachers. I mean, I do talk to them and say hello, but that's about it. I don't talk about church troubles. So whether it's a, a homebody that preaches here uh, or somebody that travels in, I want you to know that if you hear something over this pulpit, you just heard from God. Amen. As long as it lines up with the Word of God, let me clarify that. You got a word from God. Amen. And you can trust in that. Um, as we're turning to Leviticus chapter 14, verse number 40, um, let's also remember to pray for Brother Brinson. Uh, they, they told me today that he's not feeling very well. Let's pray that God helps him feel well. I know there's a lot of folks traveled off to different conferences and different things, uh, and, and it just tires you out traveling. And uh, pray for my wife as well. She's not been feeling good. Uh, all this traveling, we, we evangelized too long, and we, we got used to not traveling anymore that, that we're done. Hallelujah. Amen. And so keep, that, keep those in prayer that you know that aren't feeling well and uh, that God would bring them back to the house of the Lord on Sunday. And everybody said amen. We're going to continue on uh, teaching and preaching. Uh, we are, this, this year we're talking about the expanding kingdom. And over the last several weeks I've been talking about expanding through the word excellence. Everybody said excellence. Excellence. Hallelujah. And uh, what we're doing is we are setting the foundational stones uh, for the church uh, because we do believe that God's got a bright future for ARC. Anybody believe that? Amen. I hope I'm not the only one that believes that. But... We've got to set foundational stones, and that's what we've been doing, and I'm going to continue on with that. Uh, Leviticus chapter 14 and verse number 40. I prepared, started working on these, and I felt like God laid several of these lessons in my heart uh, a few months ago, and I've been working on them and praying about them. And, uh, and this is with nobody in mind of anything, so hopefully anytime I get up to teach on Wednesday night, it doesn't offend anybody. I'm just going with what... Uh, God's been impressing me as the pastor to teach. Amen. Leviticus chapter 14 and verse number 40. The Bible says, Then the priest shall come, the, I'm sorry, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which the plague is, and they shall cast them into an unclean place without the city. And he shall cause the house to be scraped within, round about, and they shall pour out the dust that they scrape off without the city into an unclean place. And they shall take other stones and shall put them in place of those stones, and he shall take other mortar and shall plaster the house. Skipping to verse number 48. The Bible says, And if the priest shall come in and look upon it, and behold, the plague hath not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, because the plague is healed. Skipping to verse 54. Just be glad I wasn't going to read the whole chapter to you here tonight. 
Leviticus chapter 14 and verse 54. The Bible says, This is the law for all manner of plague of leprosy and skull, and for the leprosy of a garment and of a house, and for a rising and for a scab and for a bright spot, to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. He said, and for the law, or for the leprosy of a garment and of a house. And I want to teach, preach about excellence starts at home. Excellence starts at home. Would you set your Bibles down and let's pray all across the building. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. We praise you, Lord. Pray, God, help me to minister your word and to minister this concept, God, to get it deep down in our spirits, God, to make it and put it into the fabric, amen, of the church and in the foundation of your people, God. Hallelujah, Lord, that we can move forward and be everything that you're calling us to be in the wonderful name of Jesus. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him it's good to see you in the house of God. And then you can be seated. Hallelujah. I want to say how grateful I was for this last Sunday. I saw a lot of young people. And I said this when I first showed up that we're going to have a revival of young people and young couples like you've never seen. I mean it. I've seen it happen before, and, and I feel it. I feel it. I feel like it's about to uh, break loose, and there's going to be young people, young couples that are going to come into the house of God, and uh, they're going to give their life to God, and they're going to get right with God. We're going to baptize them. They're going to get the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And, uh, and this is just the beginning. Amen. But... Excellence starts at home is what I'm talking about here tonight. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it's, it gives the second reading of the Ten Commandments. That's really what Deuteronomy means. It means the second giving. Uh, it was for a new generation, and they were giving uh, a second reading of the law. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, that's exactly what is happening. They are reading through and, and they are explaining to a new generation that there's some things that God wants and some things God does not want. And they start talking about that you'll have no other gods before him and, 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 and that you'll have no idols and thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not kill and and I want you to know that those are still very relevant things in our world here today. I know that they're trying to remove the concepts of the Ten Commandments and even just removing the, the monuments to the Ten Commandments out of, out of city halls and off of legislation floors. And they're trying to remove them out of our government. And they're trying to remove them from the school systems. But you can remove a, a piece of rock and a decoration, amen, that has been in the community. But you can never remove the truth of God's word. Amen. You can, you can tear down statues and you can tear down decorations. But God's word is enduring forever. 
God said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Because his word might have been written on stone, but it was always intended to get in the hearts of people. And that's exactly what happens in, Deuter in Deuteronomy chapter 6. They just heard the law, but now they are given instructions about how to handle God's laws and God's commandment. Deuteronomy 6.4, one of our most beloved scriptures. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And it continues on and says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And it begins to tell us that there's only one God, and he is worthy of undivided affection. He is worthy of undivided worship. He is the only one that deserves our all and our everything. Amen. And then he proceeds to tell them, And these words which I command thee this day should be in your heart. Can I tell the church that we've got to get God's word in our heart? That's where it starts right there. If, if we can have all the head knowledge we want, I have a friend that memorized most of the Bible, but it has yet to trickle down to his heart. And, 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 and really, I asked a friend that, another friend that had memorized a lot of the Bible and, and asked him, well, has that really helped you? He said, yeah, in some areas it's helped me, but the only verses that really help me are the ones that I live. And, and the Word of God has got to go from head knowledge to heart knowledge. The Word of God, and, and, and it's got to go beyond just coming to church. It's got to go beyond the four walls of the building. It's got to go. It's, it's, it's a concept. It's not just an ornament. It's not just decoration. It's not just something that we carry around when we go to church. But this word right here is the very word. It's the engrafted word of God, the Bible says, which is able to save our souls. In other words, we've got to take the words that are just in black and white and sometimes red and white, and we've got to take it and start letting God engrave it on our hearts. We've got to let God begin to chisel it into our soul and chisel it into our being. In other words, it's got to go beyond just a few words in a book, but it's got to go and it's got to get into the innermost being. These words which I command this day should be in your heart. And then the Bible continues to say, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. In order for children to get the word of God, it's got to start with our hearts. Can I tell you right now, I, I have made it up in my mind. I don't have children yet, but one day, Lord willing, I will. And, and, and I've made it up in my mind. I'm going to teach my kids to love God by loving God myself. I'm not just going to talk about going to church. I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to just talk about worship. I'm going to be like David, and I'll worship whether, whether my call does or not, whether anybody else in my household does or not. I'm going to make it up in my mind. I'm going to love God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. And through that, I'm going to be able to teach my children to love God. It starts, it starts right there at home. It starts with the individual. And then it moves towards the children. And he says that these words that I command this day should be in your heart, and thou shalt teach them haphazardly. No, diligently. It's intentional. When you sit down, you've got to talk about God. When you rise up, you've got to be talking about God. When you lie down, you've got to be talking about God. When you go by the way, you've got to be talking about God. 
When you go out the doors of your house, you've got to be talking about God. He says that you're supposed to put this commandment upon the posts of your house and on your gates. And it is to be, the Bible says, as frontlets between your eyes. In other words, everywhere you go, God's word has got to be straight and center. It's got to be right in your focus. In other words, everything we do, everything we say, everywhere we go, everything we are, it's got to be right there. And we be teaching, this is why we believe there's only one God. This is why we worship only one God. It's a teaching moment for your house. Lift up your hands and let's worship him. Come on, let's praise him. In the name of Jesus. I believe there's people that love God with all their hearts, and it started at home. Hallelujah. In other words, he was saying, don't wait till you get to the temple for your kids to learn about God. It is not the Sunday school teacher's job. It is not the preacher's job. It is every individual's job. As you go through the supermarket and you see something you know is not right, you tell your children, you know what, we're not here to judge anybody, but we don't do that. But it also is a teaching moment when you see God working in your life. You can go ahead and testify to your children, God's been good to us. God's favored us. God's blessed us. Hallelujah. What is really being said here? It's being, it's being told to the people that spirituality starts at home. It's being told to the people that your home is a very spiritual place. Can I tell the church that it was in Exodus chapter 12. We talked about it a little bit on Sunday. As Brother Reyes taught that they took the blood of the lamb and they took that blood and they put it on the posts of the doorway of the house. And the Bible says that when I see the blood, I will pass over you and death will not come into your household. It will not touch any of your children. It will not touch your brethren. It will not touch your family because when people make it up in their mind, I'm going to have the blood of Jesus over my life and over my house. God makes a difference. Hallelujah. God called Abraham, and one of the reasons God called Abraham is because he said, I know that Abraham will teach his house how to live right. It was this Abraham that after he was told of God what to do to be in covenant, took every man in his house and got them right with God and said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, just like Joshua did in words. It was Jacob that as he was on his way back to the house of God, back to Bethel, back to doing what he knew was right, the Bible says he took all the idols that Rachel brought with her, took them out of the house of God, buried them under a tree, and made his house right with God. Because your home is a very spiritual environment, a very spiritual place. It was Obadiah that cleansed his home to make room for the ark of God. How many wants God to come home with them? I said, how many wants God to go home with them? We've got to have the right mindset of our home. I want my home to be a place God wants to be at. 
I want my home to be, hey, I want it to be inviting to the presence of God. My home might make a sinner uncomfortable. I'm not there to do that or to judge anybody. They may not like the fact that I got worship playing in the background, but I'll tell you, I'm more interested in having God's presence in my house than anybody else's presence. I'm sure there was those that came to Obed-Edom's house and, and they didn't like the fact that everywhere they went they had to step around the ark, step around God's presence. Amen. Can I tell you, the home that we have, the homes that we possess, they are meant to be a place where God can dwell. God never intended to be relegated to a building. He said God is not like somebody that needs to be dwelling in a temple made with hands but he was but we were made without hands in other words God was not meant to fit in a temple to fit in a building God was saying I'm everywhere I want to be in every home I want to be in every life I want to be in every individual let's lift up our hands and let's worship him hallelujah you can have God go home with you today you can have the spiritual atmosphere that lets God's presence run freely in your house. Hallelujah. Our homes can be spiritual in the positive. God can show up. I've been many times in my house, my trailer, let me rephrase that. Not for long, hallelujah, not for long. But I've been in there and just felt the presence of God. I didn't have to be at church, didn't have to have any a choir behind me. I felt the presence of God. And to let me know, God feels comfortable in my home. You know why? Because I remove things that God's not comfortable with. I don't want anything to hinder God from just moving in. I, I can remember many times going to my pastor's house, and it would break out into a prayer meeting and people would get the Holy Ghost that were just coming for a cheeseburger. Can I tell you, we've got to have the kind of environment and the kind of atmosphere in our homes uh, that the Holy Ghost can fall at any moment. We've got to have the right spiritual temperature that the Holy Ghost can move in every individual home, uh, that the Holy Ghost can move in every individual family. You don't got to wait till you get to church to pray your children through. You, you can pray them through at home. You can pray them through right there in your living room because it is, a, it is a, a, an atmosphere where God can dwell and God can move because the home was intended to be spiritual. But the home can be spiritual, but not in a good way. The Bible lets us know that Moses was on his way to deliver the children of Israel. And on his way, the Bible says the Lord sought to kill Moses, this has perplexed many people. A man that was meant to be a deliverer for the, for the people of God was about to be destroyed by God on his way to do the will of God. And this has confused many people because they don't understand. But it didn't confuse his wife, Zephora. The Bible says that she immediately rose up and she, she circumcised their son because Moses thought, I can deliver the people of Israel and still have uncleanness in my house. I can deliver the people of God and still have uncleanness coming from my children. Can I preach this very respectively? I said, I don't have children. I don't have the right to say a whole lot, but let me just tell you what the Bible says. Can I tell you, Mom and Dad, you are the ones that are in charge of your household, not your kids. I know we're living in a world that's got it all upside down and backwards. You don't bow to your children. You don't run and do everything they say. I feel it right there. I'm going to help somebody. 
Let me tell you, our world has got it all wrong uh, that when the kid comes home with a bad report card, uh, the parent goes and yells at the teacher. Can I tell you, you don't yell at the teacher. You yell at your child and tell your child you got to do right. We're not going to have uncleanness in the home because there's got to be some parents. There's got to be some Zipporahs that say, you know what, we're not going to have that. And even if Moses doesn't think it's a big deal, and even if so-and-so doesn't think it's a big deal, you need to say, no, we're going to get it right. We're going to get it right from the least to the greatest. Let me just say this. If somebody in leadership has to correct your child, don't yell at the person in leadership. If it's right, if they're saying something that is right in the Word of God and is not contradicting the Word of God, you don't go after the leader. You go and say, you know what, son? That's right. You know what, daughter? That's right. Because if God said it, we're going to do it. Amen. I'm just setting some things in order here today. Achan brought unclean things from the world into his home, and it destroyed his house. We've got to keep our homes clean spiritually I read this the other day too many addicts get their start by stumbling onto a parents or siblings secret stash of drugs alcohol or pornography the home should be as safe and as holy as the church the Bible talks about women being the keepers of the home that's not a chauvinistic scripture it's actually saying that you've got power with God. You've got an opportunity with God. You know what? Aiken's wife could have said, we're not having that. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not saying go out and, 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 and do something that's, that's, that's going to cause issues. But you can go ahead and say, you know what? That's not going to work for our kids. That's not going to work in this house. If it's right with the Word of God, you stick with the Word of God and let God figure everything else out. But Achan said, no, I'm going to bring things into the house that are not clean. And it cost all of his family. Rebellion, the disrespect of authority, that's going to cost you your family. I've seen it more times than I could count. It costs families. It costs lives. It's a very spiritual thing. And then our text here today talks about how a, 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 a natural disease that is very spiritual, called leprosy, can get into a house. Leprosy is an issue of uncleanness. You'll find that as you read the Bible, God spends most of the beginning of the Bible defining clean and unclean things. We now read the Old Testament through the blood of Jesus and through New Testament theology. And often we take this very spiritually and we look at the spiritual applications and I think that's right but often we forget the literal that God was telling the children of Israel back then he was telling them a very physical reality this is why the Jewish people outlived many cultures it was not just that they were the people of God but they were a physically clean people they were clean in their daily actions they were clean in their interactions. They were clean in their relationships with other people. They were clean in their dietary life. We take that for granted here in the United States because we have health codes. 
don't eat chicken if it's not been cooked to a certain temperature for this amount of time. But they didn't have that back then. God had to tell them that incest was wrong. God had to go through and tell them that this is unclean. Don't eat this animal because you'll get sick. And I know a lot of people have taken that and they've over-spiritualized it. But the truth is, God was trying to make his people live another year and another generation. God was trying to make sure his people would last. Amen. So God was telling them that there's things that you've got to take care of. And he gives them washing ceremonies. And he tells them, you've got to clean this and you've got to do that. And if this comes into your home... You do this and that and the other. And I could preach about leprosy as being a type of sin in the Bible. And if you ever get sin in your house, you got to get it out. We could talk about the spiritual. If you ever allow something into your house, can I tell you, sin cannot just get into a person, but sin will get into the clothes you wear. Sin can get into the house you live in. I'm not just talking about the physical, but I'm telling you, it starts affecting the way people dress, the way people live, the way people go about their daily business. And it's a spiritual condition of uncleanness. But he was talking about the physical. This physical disease is a disease of uncleanness. There's a reason that we've near about eradicated leprosy. There's only a few. I think one of the last leper colonies is, uh, is in the Middle East somewhere, and I think I heard somewhere that there was one in Louisiana. Brother Dixon, don't go there. Hallelujah. But the reason that people have done away with that is not, not, not spiritual. We invented uh, ways to, to wash and to clean. And, and Jesus talks about the unclean spirit. I'm going to be preaching and teaching for just a moment. But what do we think that is? Is an unclean spirit strictly unclean in morality, in spirit, or in attitude? No. An unclean spirit affects every area of the individual's life. The Bible lets us know that in Mark chapter 5 that Jesus encountered what we know to be as the wild man of Gadara, and he was possessed with an unclean spirit. I want you to notice what happens when somebody gets in contact with the spirit of uncleanness or an unclean spirit. It's not just somebody gets a nasty attitude. No. Unclean spirits, not just when somebody's possessed, rolling on the floor and foaming at the mouth. I want you to notice something about the wild man of Gadara that had the spirit of uncleanness. He was not clothed. Our world is going insane. They think that you are becoming more sane by taking it off. But the truth is, you become more sane by putting clothes on. In fact, that's what psychology teaches. One of the first signs of insanity is, 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 is they start unclothing themselves. They start losing their minds. He was not clothed. He was not washed. He was untamed. The Bible says no man could tame him. No man could tie him down, no, not with fetters. He was not submitted to anybody. He was not employed. Nobody would hire him because he was, he was unsubmitted. He would not work with anybody. Nobody could tame him. Nobody could settle him down. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm telling you right now, 
that that might be the answer to some people's problem right there. When nobody can tell you no, nobody can rebuke you, nobody can sit you down, nobody can say you're wrong and you're right all the time, and nobody can tame you and, 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 and rein you in and pull you in, and you wonder why you go from job to job and, and unemployment to unemployment, I'll tell you that's the answer right there. Because if the boss can't tell you no, the teacher can't tell you no, the preacher can't tell you no, the police can't tell you no, nobody can come by and say this, that, or the other in your life, and you've got every answer and you're right about everything, I'm telling you, that's an unclean spirit. Uh, I'm not preaching to anybody in particular, but I've come to tell the church we're going to set some things in order. That's an unclean spirit. And anybody that rises up with that attitude, it's unclean. Get away from it. Well, I don't need to listen to anybody. I don't need to do anything anybody says. Get away from that person. They are an unclean individual. And unclean spirits always start with a lack of submission. And then what does it lead to? He cut himself. He was depressed. You'd be shocked how many depressed people there are in the church. But you know what it goes back to? But right back down to? An unclean spirit. An unclean spirit. He felt comfortable to live in a filthy tomb. He felt comfortable being out in the wild because it matched his unsubmitted nature to be wild, just like nature. And when the unclean spirit saw Jesus, the one that represented deliverance, the one that represented truth, the one that represented what is right, the words that came out of that unclean spirit and you find there were several unclean spirits that Jesus encountered. The words that came out of his mouth and were repeated several times by other unclean spirits was, leave us alone. Anybody who says, that tells you the truth and you want them to leave you alone, you are listening to the wrong voice. Let's lift our hands and let's pray for just a moment. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive and help somebody. I really, I really am. I'm trying to help the church. I'm trying to help some folks. I'm, I don't have anybody in mind, but I'm trying to help. Amen. But, but the devil's lying to some folks. The devil's trying to keep some people bound up, trying to keep some people in the tombs and in the mountains and in the wild, uh, cutting themselves and depressed and, and nothing moves forward in life. And they, they just, they, nothing's happening. Everything's dead where they're living. But God's come to break you out. I'm telling you, that is the first response of an unclean spirit when somebody tries to correct them. Leave me alone. I've seen it enough times. Anybody else ever seen that? Okay. I hope I'm not the only one. Leave me alone. Because that's what an unclean spirit says. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. Don't, don't, don't take the trash out. Leave it alone. Don't, 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 don't clean yourself up. Leave it alone. Stop. Stop where you are. And I'll tell you this, I have never met, and maybe you have, and you could talk to me later. I have never met a person that lives physically unclean, have a clean attitude, spirit, or demeanor. Oh, I'm helping somebody here tonight. I have never met anybody. we got to say this because what's going to happen when God opens the door and gets us into a new building? And we still got to work with uncleanness. No, we've got to get it because I'll tell you, if we don't get it right at home, we won't have it right in the church. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But, but I've never met somebody who is unclean in body, have the most pure, happy, go looking spirit. No, they're depressed. They've always got a negative thing to say. They're not submitted. They've got issues. They don't want to talk to anybody. Don't tell me what to do. Uh, you, you name it. And that is the root of the problem right there. 
they, they think, well, nothing physical is spiritual. In fact, that's quite the opposite. That everything, everything physical has a spiritual counterpart to it. And everything we do, because we're not just physical creatures, we're spiritual creatures. That's why you can, you can subdue your flesh, you can subdue your spiritual nature, your carnal nature by not eating. You're doing something physical and it's affecting the spiritual. That's why you can hit your knees and pray and just say a couple of words and be like Elijah and fire fall from heaven. You just did something physical and it affected the spiritual. Amen. Amen. In fact, let's talk about this unclean spirit. Jesus talked about when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man. Uh, in other words, he relates it to an unclean thing coming out of the house. He says that he comes back and he finds the house is swept and garnished. In other words, that when the unclean spirit leaves the life, leaves the house, leaves the individual, it is cleaned up. It is decorated nicely. Things are in their proper place and in their proper order. That lets us know that when the unclean spirit is inhabiting a person in their life or inhabiting the house, if you will, it is not clean. It is filthy. It is not decorated. Can I tell somebody how you treat the, the place of your habitation matters? Let me say that again. How we treat the place of our physical habitation matters. Because you don't know what spirit you're attracting. What do you think an unclean spirit's looking for? Somebody who doesn't like it clean. Oh, let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Mm, hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that when that unclean spirit went out and it came back, it came back and he saw the house was different. It was cleaned up. It saw that it was decorated nicely. It was, it was, it was, it had been dusted. It had been decorated. Somebody started putting some care into it. You know, when you don't care about your physical body, you're letting the spirit realm know, I don't care about myself. And how are you going to love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself? Take care of yourself. See, some people are just, there, there's, there's really two types of people. Those that have got it and they figured it out and they, they're, they're wondering why I'm talking about this. And there's others that are struggling with it and they're kind of mad that I'm talking about it. But we have to talk about it. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to take care of your physical house. You've got to take care of your spiritual house. You've got to take care of your physical body because this physical body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. What we do in the natural affects the supernatural. And this unclean spirit goes out, comes back, and saw it's dusted, it's decorated, and here's the spiritual application, but it was empty. You've got to be full of the spirit. Amen. But, but he comes back, and the Bible says when he saw that it was empty, there was not being inhabited, he brought back seven devils worse than itself. And the end result was worse than the beginning. What do you think that unclean spirit did to that, that house, if you will? It was messy before. What do you think happens after that unclean spirit comes back with his buddies? And see, somebody doesn't, doesn't, want, doesn't want to take care of things. Uh, can I tell you that a clean home is the start of a clean life? Amen. A clean home is the start of a clean life. 
a clean body is the start of a clean spiritual life. Amen. It is the very beginning. How you keep your home matters. How you live at home matters. Ephesians 5 and 3 says this, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named once among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, we're not just talking about spirit, we're talking about everything, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks because, again, an unclean life is connected to an unclean spirit, an unclean attitude, and it becomes an unthankful, ungrateful attitude. But he's saying represent the opposite. Don't let uncleanness or filthiness be named one time amongst the saints of God because we've got to be thankful for everything God has blessed us with. When we don't take care of the things God blesses us with, how do you think that makes God feel? Well, God, give me new this or new that. You've not taken care of the one thing he has given you. And Jesus tells a parent, I know this is, like I said, I'm not just here to get you to heaven. I'm here to help somebody have abundant life here on earth. Uh, how, do we, how do we treat uh, the blessings God has given us? Don't ever mock the person that waxes their car. Don't mock that individual. They're not vain. They're saying, God, you blessed me, and I want to take care of your blessings. Don't ever mock the person that uses Clorox. God bless Brother Clorox. They are taking care of what God has given to them, and that person, I'm telling you, that person will be blessed with more. Amen. And then he says this, that, that he goes on, he says, For this you know that neither whoremongers nor unclean persons nor any covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. The things that we do in the natural affect the spiritual. Amen. But let me just talk and talk about this from the standpoint of the church. Because some people would say, well, I don't think that really matters. Preacher, you leave my home alone. Don't talk about what I do at home. I would love to do that. Unfortunately, everything that happens at home begins to creep its way into the church. Amen. And, 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 and a true friend is the person that will tell you you got something between your teeth. The person that doesn't care about you won't say nothing. And the preacher that will tell you, no, you go ahead and live however you want at home, spiritually and physically, is not your friend. Amen. Because what happens if, 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 if your boss wants to come over for dinner? If you live one way and then all of a sudden you you got a guest of honor, you're going to scramble. What do, you, what do you think happens when God wants to show up? And he looks around and says, well, you'd have cleaned it up for the president, but not for me. The Bible says this in Nehemiah 13, that there was an enemy by the name of Tobias. And this Tobiah came and afflicted Nehemiah and the people of God. He was a constant eyesore. But then somebody who just didn't think he was that big of a problem Eliashib created a chamber in the temple for Tobiah because what we tolerate in our daily lives will make its habitation in the church because habits at home become realities in the church. What we do at home 
the excellence and the level of excellence we allow in our homes will begin to creep its way into the church. And as I preached the very first time I introduced this subject, we will start to say, well, it's good enough. Unfortunately, God is worthy of a whole lot more than good enough. I said God is worthy of a whole lot more than it's good enough, and this will be sufficient, and this will do. But you know where that mindset comes from? It comes from the home. And that's why I'm talking about this here tonight. Excellence starts at home. And what you tolerate at home, well, you know, preacher, it's just a, it's just a little uncleanness. It's not that big of a deal. Hey, that's between you and God. But, but, but then when somebody puts you in charge of something at the church, and you just say, well, it doesn't really matter. It's just a little deal. The little bit of leprosy, if it's left in the home, the Bible says anybody who goes into that house is unclean. And they start, and then what happens when they stay in that home and, ah, oh, it's just a little leprosy, no big deal. And they don't remove the unclean things and take it to an unclean place. And they live amongst the filth and amongst the mess. And then they bring it to church. That leprosy moves from the house, gets on their clothes, and gets into their being. And then they bring it into the church. And heaven forbid that that uncleanness gets into the church. Amen. Somebody would say, well, well, I, I don't, I, I'm just, it doesn't really matter. We'll just tolerate it. We'll just let it go. Well, that's exactly what happened. And it made its way, and they actually made a chamber for him. And they made a house and a habitation in the church. And, and, and then Nehemiah shows up and says, this is not even going to happen in the church. And he grabs Tobiah, and he throws him out. And then he grabs all the junk that Tobiah brought with him, and he throws it out. And he takes the spirit of Tobiah and says, you don't belong in the church. Because Eliashib allowed him in his life and allowed him in his home. He made his way into the temple. And in, listen, I've come to tell you, just because you allowed at home doesn't mean it's allowed in the church. And that's why I'm coming to appeal to somebody. You got to throw it out of your home because we're throwing it out of the church. You got to throw it out of your house because we're throwing it out of the church. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Oh, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. I'm not here to offend anybody. I'm here to help somebody. I'm your friend here tonight. I'm your friend here tonight. We're going to have an excellent home. We're going to have an excellent home. We're not going to have an unclean home. We're going to have a clean home. We're going to decorate it. It's going to be nice. It may not be in, in on the hill. It may not be the most expensive, but we'll take care of what you give us until you give us something better. Well, preacher, I, I'll do what I want with my home. It doesn't matter. My house and my family, okay. Leviticus 16 and 17 talks about anybody who tries to enter in the temple but hasn't got their home right, kick them out. And we're not going to that extreme here tonight. He was saying, you go home and get your house right. I'll say it again. The preacher was told, you, you tell them, go get their house right, and then come back and sacrifice. Don't come to church and worship and dance and shout all across the building if you don't have your house in order. You, you, you've got to have your house in order. And that goes for the spiritual just as much as it does for the physical. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness but unto holiness. We are not to be unclean people. You'll find that all the way through the Bible. 
Well, 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 I don't see that as being a big deal. Let me pastor somebody here tonight. We've got Bible for being clean. Exodus 19, God told them to wash your clothes. Oh, I'm going to help somebody here tonight. I hope this is okay. I'm just trying to pastor because I'm trying to build something that will last. We talked about God's in the details last time. It was a little more exciting than this, but let's get down to the nitty and gritty. Uh, well, I don't really need to do that. I don't need to wash my clothes. I'll tell you what. Uh, God said, before you come near my mountain, uh, before you come into my house, uh, before you come into my presence, uh, you wash your clothes. Uh, Moses, you tell those people to wash their garments. Uh, you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? We've got Bible for it. Some people say, well, I, I don't need to. I don't, I don't have to wash my clothes. Wash your clothes with soap. Put them in a dryer or hang them up until they're dry. Don't leave them and let them get musky and nasty and then try to come and worship and lift your hands next to the rest of us. Amen. Well, I, I can't afford what so-and-so. Let me tell you about, uh, about uh, Brother Vinny. <laughs> I, brother, brother Ray, as we're talking about Vincent DePaul, my parents used to go there and work there at one point. Uh, let me tell you about Brother Goodville, Brother Value Village, the finest in France. You you don't have to have a lot of money to have a lot of dignity. You don't have to be wealthy. You're talking about you're talking to a guy right here that grew up in the ghetto that was homeless multiple times that all I ever knew was dirt on the floor and trash everywhere and bags of trash didn't go to the trash can. They stayed in the house and food was growing stuff we didn't know what it was growing. That's who we're talking to right here tonight. And I came in the house of God and thank God for a pastor who preached just like I'm preaching to some folks here tonight. I was in a house, they chain smoked. They, they always talk about just if you see smoke in the house, get down and crawl. I was always crawling, brother. I would wash my clothes multiple times because I didn't want to be the stinky guy at school or at church. Hey, we can't dictate where people are coming from. We can't. But we can teach them right. Do what you can. I'd wash the same pair. I only owned one pair of jeans, and I would wear them. I only had one pair of shoes. I only had one tie that went down to my knees because I didn't know how to tie it. I had one pair of slacks. I had one white shirt with brown buttons, and it had a stain around the collar, and it was it looked like I had a black collar and a white shirt, and, and, and that shirt went from white to brown, but I washed it after every service, and I, I washed it after every time I wore it, and, and I even did my best uh, with the ghetto iron we had to try to get some straight lines out of those wrinkles. I'm helping somebody here tonight because I wanted, I didn't want to just go to church and just go through the motions. I said, God, you're worthy of my best. You're worth, I may not have a lot right now and this time I'd be down to my knees and it's missing a couple of strings but I'm going to give God my very best. I have brown buttons that I don't match but I'll be the best that I can be. And I did what the Bible said and the preacher told me. Wash your clothes. Hang them up. Nobody wants to smell you. Wear deodorant. I'm pastoring real good. Well, we don't have Bible for that. Yes, actually we do. Esther spent one year getting perfume before she went before the king. Oh, I'm just going to go before the president, the president of the United States, smelling. No, you will not. We've got to be intentional about how we come to the house of God. But in order to come to God's house right, our house has got to be right. Well... What about everything else? Jesus told them to bathe in John 13. Mark 7 tells us that they had a custom to wash their hands. Please don't ever lose the custom of washing your hands. 
Hallelujah. Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 6, I'm being fun here tonight. He told them to wash your face. Can I help somebody? We can go all night. Uh, we, can, we can take any verse out of context if we want here tonight. But what are we seeing? Take some excellence. Take some pride in what God has blessed you with. Take some pride in the fact that you're a child of God. Let's stand all across the building. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. I hope I'm helping somebody. I really think some people want to succeed in the house of God. They want to succeed in life. It starts with a mentality of excellence. I'm going to be clean. I'm going to be clean. I'm going to have my stuff together. I'm going to have my house in order. I'm going to remove things from my house that don't need to be there. I'm going to, I'm going to put things in my home that do need to be there. I'm going to remove things out of my life that shouldn't be around. And I'm going to put good things in my life that should. God, I'm going to take care of the natural. And God, I'm going to believe you to take care of the supernatural. Well, I don't think that matters. Yes, it does. We haven't even gotten there. We're, right now we're talking about to be continued every, every, every uh, Sunday. And that's our teaching theme for the year. And I labeled out several things. Right now we're on Apostles' Doctrine. We haven't gotten very far. And uh, I don't care if we spend the rest of the year on Apostles' Doctrine. You'll be hearing from several other teachers here in a little, wit, a little bit as well. Uh, but I, I don't care if we just spend a whole year on doctrine. I think that's great. But then we're going to talk about other things. The Bible says they went from house to house. House to house. That's how the church grew. If you can't do it for yourself, what about for the sinner? How do you think the sinner feels when they walk into the home and it doesn't smell right? And they walk into the home and it's just a mess and the, the dishes are about 16 feet high and the trash has never been taken out and the dog goes to the restroom wherever it wants. The, listen, I, I came from the world. That's what I came from. And I'll never forget one of the most impacting things that ever happened to me. Can I be real here tonight? I went to a saint of God's house, and it was clean. It smelled like Brother Pine Saw. Brother Clorox was in the house. Sister Lysol had been doing a job and a work of the Spirit. And I saw the floor for the first time in my life. I saw hardwood floors. I saw carpet. You think that, that sounds funny, but, but some of us have never seen that. Because we've been taught all our lives, this is good enough. Just live dirty, live filthy. And it always bleeds over in other areas. But it was one of the most impacting things I'd ever seen. A saint of God. And let me tell you, it wasn't a nice home. It was in the hood. But they were the nicest home in the hood. They had the cleanest yard in the hood. They made sure, because they got it in their spirit, we're going to be excellent. Those people are so blessed today, you wouldn't even have any idea who they are. You, you would never guess of where they came from. But they said, I'll be faithful over the little things. We talked about excellences in the details. Take care of the little things. You may not have much right now, but take care of what you got. Well, they went from house to house. We're going to, in the next few years, we're going to do a lot more of that. Fellowship, house to house. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to invite people to your house, please, please do not give the church a bad name. Take care of what God has given you. Brother Worley, 1 Peter 2 and 9. Let me tell you why we've got to be excellent at home, just like we are at church. We'll talk about that in the near future as well. 
because you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people. You know what peculiar means, right? It's from the word pecuniary, which means movable treasure. That's how God sees you. He sees you as excellent. He sees you as chosen, holy, royal, and movable treasure. You know why some people don't want to be excellent in their daily lives? Because their view of themselves is about down here. My mom and dad said, I'd always be stupid. I'd always be a loser. I'd never amount to anything. And they live there. But I've come to tell you what God sees about you. He says, you're chosen. You're royal. Can I tell somebody, you got royal blood flowing through your veins when you were baptized in Jesus' name. Hey, you're royalty. Oh, I could never feel that way about, I'm just so-and-so. No, you're royalty. You're a holy individual. You're a chosen person. You are a movable treasure in the hand of God. Take some pride in godly pride. I mean that in the best of sense. Some pride in what God has done in your life. And this is why. Because if you ever get a lower view of yourself, you'll miss out on this next part. That you should show forth the praises of him that's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God tells you how much he feels that you're an excellent individual. That you're a saint of God. You're important in the kingdom. And he tells you all these great things about us. Because he's got a purpose for us. It's to show forth the praises. When people come to my home, I want them to see the praises of God. When, when, when people see me walking down the street, I want, them to, I want them to say God's worked in their life. When people go into your house, when people ride in your car, I want them to see the glory of God. Lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm done teaching and preaching. I didn't come to condemn anybody or hurt anybody's feelings. I think we've got a wonderful group of people, but there's people that are going to come out of this world. They're just used to uncleanness and filthiness, and they need to come and see the difference. They need to come and see somebody showing forth the praises. I used to be, but the grace of God. I used to do that, but the grace of God. It used to be that way, but the glory and grace of God called me up and out. I want to open up this altar here tonight. This is not an admission of guilt, but an opportunity to say, Lord, I want to be excellent because you think I'm excellent. You saw me as royal. You saw me as a movable treasure. You saw me as being holy. You saw me as being called. And God, I want to represent to this world the greatness you put in me, the excellence you put in me. And God, it's going to start in this altar, but I'm taking it home. I'm taking it to the job. I'm taking it to my neighborhood. I'm taking it everywhere. Come on. There's some folks that need to pray here tonight. I'm casting that uncleanness out of my life. No more. No more. No more. I'm going to be a child of God. That's what I was called to be. That's what I was anointed to be. There's some folks that are going to go home with a spirit of excellence that are going to say, you know what? We're going to get these things in order. We're going to get these things lined out and ironed out. We're going to be the best that we can be because we are called to be God's children. Let's pray all across the building.
That's it. Let's pray. Come on. There's some folks that are just one revelation away from being the most blessed you've ever been, the most favored you've ever been. You are about to be so blessed. You just got one revelation. It's excellence. It's excellence. It's going to start at home.